Thank you for being here this morning. And uh, our hope and our aim is, is that as you come, uh, that you sense that we are truly here to worship God, to serve him, to hear from his word. That's, that's our goal. And that's why we gather together. And if you're a visitor, we hope that you uh, are able to, to recognize that. Uh, a few announcements. Vance is going to come and, and read our scripture and open us up as we look to God's word. Um, but just a few announcements. Make sure that you grab a bulletin. Uh, but next week is, is Easter, and we will have our Easter meal, and we've got our Easter egg hunt after the meal uh, next Sunday. So that meal will just be immediately following, and the church is providing the main course on that. But uh, if you're able to uh, bring a side dish or a dessert or something like that, that would be great. And uh, even if you forget that or you're not able to for whatever reason, just go ahead and come anyway. There, there will be plenty of food here, so don't let that keep you from, from coming. Uh, and then next week, we'll go ahead with the nursing home. We've pushed it back to 2 o'clock, though, uh, from the, the regular time. But if you're able to make it out, I know a lot of people have family stuff going on, so you might not be able to, but uh, that's next, next Sunday uh, at 2 o'clock. And then I'll, I'll just say this. We're, we're going to be having sign-ups again for Grace Marriage. Uh, we just completed our first year of that. I think you know pretty much everybody that participated in that really just saw the benefit of it. The goal of Grace Marriage is, is to be proactive in our marriages. I was just talking in Sunday school about how the divorce rate in the church is, is not really any different than the divorce rate in the world. And one of the problems is we're not being proactive in our marriages. They're deteriorating, they're falling apart, problems are coming up, and we're not dealing with them until they get to catastrophic levels. And so the idea of Grace Marriage is just to come quarterly, one, one time every quarter on a Saturday and spend several hours just thinking about what does the Bible teach about marriage? And then thinking about what's going on in our, our marriage and uh, just have that opportunity. So uh, the signups for that will be coming here in a few weeks and then that'll be rolling out again the second year of that. Uh, so if you are, were already part of it, uh, we're, we're expecting and hoping you to be uh, a part of it again. If you weren't a part of it, that's okay. You, you can jump in in, in year two. Uh, but I just encourage you with that. So at this time, Vance, come and... Uh, Open the scripture for us. All right, we're in Psalm 28 this morning. I'll give you a minute to turn there. Psalm 28, we're going to read the entire one. This, this is a humbling psalm. I mean, it's, uh, we see the very real need for salvation, and then we see the promise of Christ that's, that's true for us still today. Psalm 28. Psalm of David. To you, O Lord, I call, my rock, be not deaf to me, lest if you be silent to me, I become like those who go down to the pit. Hear the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cry to you for help, when I lift up my hands toward your most holy sanctuary. Do not drag me off with the wicked, with the workers of evil who speak peace with their neighbors while evil is in their hearts. Give to them according to their work and according to the evil of their deeds. Give them according to the work of their hands. Render them their due reward. Because they do not regard the works of the Lord or the work of his hands. He will tear them down and build them up no more. Blessed be the Lord, for he's heard the voice of my pleas for mercy. 
The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts and I am helped. My heart exults and with my song I give thanks to him. The Lord is the strength of his people. He is the saving refuge of his anointed. O oh, save your people and bless your heritage. Be their, their shepherd and carry them forever. Would you bow your heads in prayer with me this morning? Father, we thank you that we can count on you to hear our prayer. Father, that we, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ this morning and we, your people, gather your possession, Father, your heritage. And, and Lord, we ask that you guide us, shepherd us this morning, meet with us. Lord, that we, may, we can feel your presence, Lord, and glorify you through the, the, the singing of hymns, worship and praise father through the preaching of your word and through our very prayers this morning that they may be an acceptable offering to you lord forever is a long time and that's the promise your word brings to us this morning is that we have help we have help then we have help now we have help forevermore lord everything that, that comes here our families our jobs our government, our culture, Father, our bills. Lord, we come to you and we rest in all that Christ has done as we, as we joyfully await his coming again. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, let's have our ushers come forward at this time for our offering. And uh, as they're coming forward, I'll just remind you really quickly about our uh, Annie Armstrong Easter offering each time this year we take a special offering and that goes directly to support our missionaries from the North American Mission Board and uh, there are a lot of places in North America that need churches that need faithful uh, preachers and, and church planners and 100% of that offering goes to that we're about halfway to making our goal on, on that and we've got a couple weeks left but I just encourage you uh, to be led by the Lord in that so let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning and we are grateful for that home that we have in heaven as we're going to talk about this inheritance. Uh, we're so grateful that we have this hope and this promise of a land that we are going to go to uh, when we pass from this life. Lord, what a glorious truth. What a, what a wonderful and an encouraging promise that is uh, for all of us this morning. Lord, we know that there are some who do not have that hope uh, we know that there are some who have never even heard the gospel, some even in our own country that have never clearly heard the, the, the gospel uh, articulated. And so we, we want to be those who are faithful in supporting mission works. We want to be missionaries ourselves, but, but certainly we want to be generous toward those who are seeking to take the gospel to those who have never heard it. And we pray, Lord, that you would just bless this offering and use it for those purposes. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, the kids can head out at this time for Children's Church. As they do that, if you would, go ahead and grab your Bibles this morning and turn to the book of Ephesians, chapter 1. Ephesians, chapter 1. 
continuing our series this morning in, in the book of Ephesians. We'll be back in chapter 1. We'll be looking specifically at verses 11 through 14. Uh, but as I reminded you last week that this section is actually all just in the, the original language, all just one long sentence. And uh, so we, we will uh, just begin at verse number 3 and read the entire thing there. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. And now this morning for our text, verse number 11. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Well, this morning we are again in this passage, and uh, for those of you that are newer or for visitors, just kind of wanted to say as a reminder what our approach is to the word of God. I, I truly believe that the best way to preach is what's sometimes referred to as expositionally, and what that means is that we preach through books of the Bible, and we preach through them verse by verse. And what that does is, really the reason we do that is because we really do believe the Bible is the Word of God. We believe what, what Timothy says, that all Scripture is breathed out by God, and it's all important for doctrine and for uh, instruction and so on. And so all of it is the Word of God, and that means we need to know all of it. And uh, so what better way than to go through verse by verse? And, and what that does is, First of all, it helps us understand the meaning of each verse in its context. We, we all know as speakers that sometimes we are taken out of context, aren't we? Somebody could take your words and they say them in a different context and it means something totally different. And that's the way a lot of preachers treat the Bible. They, they get the idea of what they want to talk about and then they look for a verse that kind of fits that. And we want to go against that. We want to look to the word of God and say, what does this mean in its context? What did, what did the Apostle Paul mean when he wrote this, when he was inspired by the Holy Spirit? And so it helps us be faithful to the meaning of the text. And then the second benefit of it is that it gives us a, a, a wider breadth of knowledge as far as the Bible because here's my tendency as a preacher is to go back to the well of some of my favorite verses or some of my favorite topics, you know, the hobby horse kind of preacher. We want to preach all of scripture. And so what better way to do that than just preach through books of the Bible so that we know all 
of the word of God. And so that's what we're doing. Uh, we look the first week at verses uh, three through seven and then or three through six and then seven uh, through 10. And now today, 11 through 14. And we saw that the emphasis of this is that it's a, it's a prayer of thanksgiving to God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in heavenly places with every spiritual blessing. And so it's a praise to God. The first week that we looked at, it, it started with God the Father and his role in salvation, which was to, to predestine us, to, to choose to adopt us in his family. Then last week we moved to the work of the Son, which said, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of, of our sins. And so we saw the work of the Father. We saw the work of the Son. And now this week in this third section, we're going to see the work of the Holy Spirit who seals us and who is a guarantee of our inheritance. And that's the, that's the theme of this in verse 11. We see this, in him we have obtained an inheritance. We have obtained in Jesus Christ because of our connection to him, because of our relationship or our association to Jesus Christ, we have become partakers or we share in an inheritance. What a wonderful reality. We've been given an, an inheritance. That word to obtain, literally it could mean uh, to, to share or to have a portion. And I think that's what he's saying here. It, the same idea is spoken of in, in Colossians 1.12. It says this, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. And so because of Jesus Christ, not only have we been forgiven of our sins, we all know that, right? Uh, that's, that's the emphasis that's always talked about. By, by the blood of Jesus Christ, we have redemption, the forgiveness of his sins. But God has actually done something more than just sort of wipe the slate clean He's made us his children. He's adopted us into his family. And because we're adopted children into his family, we now share in the inheritance. We've been, we've been sort of cut into this. We've been given an, a portion of the inheritance. Well, what is that inheritance? We want to spend a few moments, first of all, just talking about the reality of our inheritance, the reality of our inheritance. And, and we, what we come to see as we look to Scripture is that God has revealed himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We believe in a triune God, but, but he is Father and Son. We, we know that the Bible teaches that the Son, that Jesus is the only begotten Son of God the Father. We, we see that in verses like John three sixteen. For God so loved us that he gave us his only begotten Son. Uh, and so that speaks of the, the reality that as they relate to each other eternally, the Father has, e the, the Son has eternally gotten his life uh, from the Father. Now, now we talk about being begotten and we think, well, maybe the Son, there was a time when he was created or born, but, but he's not. He's, he's eternal. Just as the Father is eternal, so is the Son eternal. He was never created. Uh, we don't believe in, in three gods, but, but one God and three persons. But that, that relationship, this idea of being begotten, it describes the relationship of how they relate to each other. So the, the Father is the source of life eternally, and the Son derives his existence from the Father eternally. He was never born, never created, but he has eternally existed in this state of being uh, uh, derived from the Father. So we see this in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 5. To wit, for to which of the angels... Did God ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you? Or again, I will be to him a father, 
and he shall be to me a son. So this is the relationship that we find within the Godhead in, in Scripture. Now, as the only begotten Son of God, uh, Jesus himself is the heir of all things. This is what the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 1, verses 1 through 2. Long ago, and at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things. Jesus, as the Son, the eternal Son of God, has been appointed heir of everything. He's been appointed heir of everything. We see in Psalm 2, verses 7 and 8, we won't take time to read that, uh, but we see there that he has been uh, given the nations and, and the earth as, a, as his possession. And so he, we have the Father, the Son, the Son is the heir of the Father. Now here's where it gets good for us. Through the gospel of Jesus Christ, when we believe in him, when we are united to Jesus Christ, we become one with Jesus Christ, we become joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We, all that the Father has, he gives to the Son as his heir. And now because we are sons of God, because we are adopted into his family, we become heirs with Jesus Christ. This is exactly what Paul says in Romans 8, 16 and 17. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit, so the Holy Spirit within us, it bears witness with us that we are children of God. Do you have that spirit bearing witness in your heart? I'm a child of God. I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. We are children of God. And if we are children, if children, then heirs. If you've been adopted into God's family, if you are a son or a daughter of God, then you are an heir of God. Heirs of God, and listen to this, fellow heirs, or as the King James says, joint heirs with Christ. So all that the Father gives to the Son, we now receive through our relationships, through our union with Jesus Christ. This is what Paul is talking about when he says, in him, that is, in Christ, again in verse 11, in him we have obtained an inheritance. We've been made partakers. We've come to share in this inheritance. And this is what it says in Acts 20, verse 32, And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. So if you are a Christian here this morning, if you have faith in Jesus Christ, you are a son of God, you are a daughter of God, you are a joint heir with Jesus Christ. We ask the question, though, well, what, what is the inheritance? So that's how we come about, that, that's how we come to receive the inheritance, and that's the way it works. But what, are, what inheritance? What are, what are we talking about here? Well, you look at verse 18. The first thing that we see about this is back in our text in Ephesians 1.18, uh, Paul's praying for them that they would understand how great their salvation is. And he says that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you and what are the riches of this glorious inheritance so it's a rich inheritance it's a glorious inheritance you know an inheritance can be good or bad right my children are probably uh, not going to be too happy with their inheritance but this inheritance that we come to share in is a rich inheritance it is a glorious inheritance well, what is it? What, a, what is the inheritance that we receive? Well, one person said this, and I think he's right. In one sense, it's all the promises that God makes. 
Our inheritance that we receive from the Father as sons and daughters of God are all of the promises that God makes. In 2 Corinthians 1.20 it says this, For all the promises of God find their yes in Him. That is why it is through Him that we utter our amen to, to God for His glory. All the promises of God find their yes. They find their fulfillment in Him, that is, in Jesus Christ through our association with him, through our union with him. As we become sons and daughters of God, we become recipients of all the promises of God. So there's, there's not, listen to this, if you're a true believer this morning, if you're united to Christ, there is not one promise that God has made that he's withholding from you. All of the promises that God makes find their yes in Jesus Christ. That's our inheritance. But there's more that could be said specifically. All right, let's get, let's get more specific. The, the first thing that we see this inheritance is we, we inherit the kingdom of God. We, we are inheritors of the kingdom of God. James 2.5 says this. Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen, there again is that idea of him choosing, right? Has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? You see, this is what God uh, is teaching when he talks about the kingdom. The, the kingdom is his rule and, and his authority. And we find out in, in scripture that one day all of the kingdoms of this world are going to be done away with. And, and the only kingdom that will last ultimately, the, the final kingdom, will be the kingdom of God. And it will be a kingdom that the Bible says wherein dwells righteousness. There, there, there is going to be a righteous kingdom, a just kingdom, a peaceful kingdom, a kingdom where there is no sin, where there is no rebellion, a, a, a kingdom where there is no cancer, where there is no sickness. And we are going to inherit that kingdom if you believe in Jesus Christ. We inherit, we are heirs of the kingdom of God. Another thing that the Bible teaches that we will inherit, and it goes hand in hand with this, we inherit the earth. Psalm 37, 29 says, The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell upon it forever. And Jesus says in Matthew 5, 5, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. But when we talk about the earth or inheriting the land, that promise is not fulfilled finally in this old broken down earth. Many of us are trying to escape this earth. There, there are people in this world who are who are so overcome by the, by the brokenness and by the, uh, by the calamity and by the heartache that comes about in this earth that they want to get out of it, right? And, and all of us have this sense that something is not right in this world. But when the Bible talks about us inheriting the earth or inheriting the land, it's talking about a new and a recreated earth, a, a new heavens and a new earth that we will inherit. And that's what the Bible says teaches will inherit a, a new earth, an earth in which there will be no sin and no death. We see this in Hebrews 11. This is actually what Abraham was looking for. It says, uh, Hebrews 11, verse 8, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. God said, I'm going to give you a land and, and you need to just obey me. You need to go out from your homeland and I'm going to take you to a new land and, and give you an inheritance, a, a, a land. And by faith he went out to live in the land of promise as a foreign, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, 
heirs with him of the same promise, this promise for land. For he was looking forward to the city that has, a, has foundations whose designer and builder is God. You see, what that is telling us there is that Abraham wasn't ultimately looking for land in Palestine, in the Middle East. It's telling us that, that the promise to Abraham was not going to ultimately be fulfilled in an earthly city that he would receive. You know, they're still fighting for the land in Palestine, even to this day, right? Uh, you, you have the Jewish people and the Palestinians, and they're, they're just, you know, all, you know, at each other's throat all the time over this land. And many Christians say, well, you know, they're supposed to inherit that land. That was the promise that God gave them to, to inherit this land. But look, Abraham, it says, was looking for a land whose city, or a city whose foundations, whose builder, and maker was the Lord. He's looking for a greater city. The fulfillment to the promise to Abraham was not in Palestine. Well, all you got to do is keep reading in Hebrews and you'll see that that's exactly true. Verses, verse 13 says this, All these died in faith, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and, and so on, not having received the things promised. They did not receive. Abraham, before he died, did not receive the promise of this land. But having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are speaking, they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. If they're looking for a homeland, they could have just gone back. But as it is, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. And so this is the promise. We are going to inherit the earth. We're going to inherit this new city, this new Jerusalem. Well, listen, what that calls us to, I think, and I don't want to get off on this for too long, but, but what that calls us to is don't put your roots too deep in this earth. What, what you've been promised is not to inherit Hallsville or Hancock County, or Kentucky. This is not your inheritance. This is, this is not what God has promised you. So, so don't be too upset when things don't go as you plan them to go. God has promised you an eternal home, a, a city that he's, that he's preparing. Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a home for you, a place for you, and that's what we're longing for. That's what we will inherit. So don't put all of your hopes and all of your dreams into this life. Our inheritance is a new, a recreated earth. Part of our inheritance is also eternal life. Eternal life, Titus 3, 7 says, being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. That we're heirs according to the hope of eternal life. What, that, that's what we're going to inherit. Peter says in 1 Peter 3, 7, that husbands and wives are heirs together of the grace of life. This is what we've been granted. This is part of our inheritance. What do you get? You get eternal life. You know, no matter how rich your parents are, no matter how much they leave to you, you know what they cannot leave to you? They cannot leave to you life. And so you're going to have their stuff for a while. Maybe you'll hand it off to somebody else. 
uh, to your children, and they'll have it for a while, but they're going to die, and their children are going to die, and their children are going to die. But this heavenly Father that we have, our, our God who has adopted us into his family, what he has given us in our adoption and in, in our inheritance, he has actually given us eternal life. This is what Jesus said in John 5, 25. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and now is here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Listen to what he says here. For as the Father has life in himself. This means that God doesn't just possess life. Like I possess life. I've got life. But the Father, he says, possesses life in himself. That, that means that he controls it he he has it in that way i don't control life i possess it but i don't control it but the father has life in himself he's able to dispense life to give life for as the father has life in himself so he has granted the son also to have life in himself and so the promise is that those who believe in christ those who put their faith in him the father will give life the Son will give life to them. That's part of our inheritance. You know, people fight over inheritances and there, there are all kinds of problems that seem to come about. But, you know, again, the, the, no matter how much you have, you're going to die. You're going to die. Every one of us, we're going to die. But this is a promise that we will inherit eternal life. All those who believe in the Son are granted eternal life. Not only do we have eternal life, but even as we live here on this earth, part of our inheritance is that we are protected by God. God gives his special watch care over his children. He protects them. Listen to Hebrews 1.14. Are they not all ministering spirits, talking about angels, sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit eternal salvation? These angels are sent out and their purpose is Take care of my children. They're, these are the ones who are going to inherit salvation. Watch over them. Protect them. We're given the, the watch care of ministering spirits. But listen, the greatest inheritance, the, the greatest part of our inheritance is this. Something you maybe don't think about. And that is that we are going to inherit the Lord himself. The, the greatest thing that we get of all of this is that we get, to, we get the Lord himself. It's, it's not just the stuff that we get. It's not as if we just get stuff from God. We get God. Listen to Psalm, 15, Psalm 16, verse 5. The Lord is my chosen portion. And that, that word there even has the idea. It indicates a, a, a portion of an inheritance. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. It's a beautiful inheritance. What is it? The Lord is my chosen portion. I, I inherit the Lord. I, I get God. It's not just that we get stuff from God, but that we get him, uh, we, we get him himself. We get to live in a relationship with the greatest and most wonderful reality imaginable. All the, you, you know, stop and think about this. And, and sometimes so many people get this mixed up. You know, they, they talk about heaven and they think, boy, when I get to heaven, it's going to be about me fishing with my buddies and drinking beer and I'm going to get to do this and I'm going to have this fun. And, I'm a, and, and, and that's what they're looking forward to in heaven. 
For the true believer, what they're looking for in heaven, forward to in heaven, is that they get God. They get to live eternally in relationship with our heavenly Father. That's what we're longing for. That's what we are hoping for. That's what our beautiful inheritance is. You know you're, you know you're talking to an unbeliever when all they care about uh, in heaven is being reunited with loving family and getting to do the fun stuff that they love to do here on earth. For the true believer, his heart is always set on knowing the Lord. Think about this. All of the greatest realities that we have here on, on earth, they all point us to God himself. We, we all like goodness, but God is the definition of goodness. We, we like holiness, but God is holiness. He is love. He is justice. He is righteousness. He is mercy. He is compassion. Those are all the things that we love in this earth. And when we see them, we recognize them. We long for them. And listen, God is those things. And so to know him, to, to be in relationship with him is the, the greatest reality that we could experience. We love to see justice, don't we? We love it when, when, when justice is done. And we, we long, don't we, on this earth, we long for justice to be done. We, we hate when we see a murderer go in and just shoot up a school. And doesn't that put in your heart a desire for justice? When, when you think back and, and having the distance, maybe, maybe the passion isn't there like it, but when you think about six million Jews being killed in the Holocaust, doesn't your heart cry out for justice? But this God that we serve, he is just. And he doesn't just possess any of these things. He doesn't just possess love or goodness or holiness. He is those things. Those things don't define him. He defines them. And so we inherit the Lord. We get to be in in an eternal relationship with him. This is what Jesus said in John 17, verse 3. This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God. And Jesus Christ, whom you sent. If if I could let you fill in the blank, what is life all about? What is life for you? And you think, boy, life is being at home with my family. Or life is being out on the boat and fishing. Or life is being on the baseball diamond. Or whatever it is. And Jesus says, none of that. I'm going to give them eternal life. And this is life that they may know you. And that they may know your son, Jesus Christ. That is the ultimate and the greatest reality we get to inherit an eternal relationship with our Father. That's what we should long for. What else do we see about this inheritance? I'll run through these last couple of things here quickly. The first thing we see, this, this inheritance that we have, it's beyond our comprehension. It's unimaginable. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 says this, But as it is written, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. He's prepared things that you can't even imagine. When Paul had a vision of being called up to the third heaven, he said, I heard things that were not lawful to be spoken. He doesn't mean it was illegal. He's just saying there's no way to express, there's no way to put into words the things that I saw and I heard. What God has waiting for his adopted children as part of our inheritance, it is unimaginable. And listen, it's it's a secure inheritance. 1 Peter 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept for you 
in heaven. Again, as we compare uh, this inheritance that we have to an earthly inheritance, look, you know, you inherit this stuff from your parents and, and it, it rusts, it corrupts, it dies, it, it, it falls apart. An inheritance doesn't last. But this inheritance that we've been given as adopted sons and daughters of God, it is an imperishable, incorruptible inheritance. We're never going to lose it. It's never going to go away. We've been given eternal life and the inheritance itself is eternal. Praise God, what an inheritance we've been given. That's the reality of our inheritance. The, the second is uh, the reception of our inheritance. How do we come to be receivers of this inheritance? How do we receive it? Well, first of all, we've been chosen by God. We've been adopted into his family. He's chosen to make us his children. Look again at verse 11 of Ephesians. In him, we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Look, we, we talked about this the other week. What is adoption? It's parents choosing their children. It's saying, look, I see this orphan in need and I want to make this child mine. I want to adopt them into my family. And that's what, that's what this verse is saying. We, we've obtained an inheritance. How did we obtain it? Having been predestined. Predestined to what? Well, verse 5, being predestined to be uh, adopted as sons. God chose to make us his children. That's how we become recipients of, of this uh, inheritance that we've been given. And you know, one of the saddest things that you see in this life is sometimes you have parents who want to adopt children. And something falls through. We had friends in, in seminary who uh, were, were infertile. They weren't able to have children. They began, they, they were like us, they did foster care. And they began to take in foster children. And they got this sibling group, three, I think it was three sisters. And they just loved them. They had them for several years. The case just dragged out. And they had their hopes just set on, we're going to adopt. These, these girls, by this time, they, they were their children. They, they, they were their children. They had already in their mind the adoption was through, but it wasn't through. And at the last moment, as, as the court was going through that process, at the last moment, some family members from Ohio swooped down and said, well, we think we'll take them. And, and the court decided to give those children to the, to the people in, in Ohio. And it broke their heart. It devastated them. And so even though they had that intention to adopt these children, it, it fell through. But listen, the, the person, the one who has chosen to adopt us, he's predestined it, he's, he's planned it, he's made the decision ahead of time to adopt us as his children. And listen to what it says about him. According to the purpose of him who works all things, verse number 11, he works all things according to the counsel of his will. The God that we serve is a sovereign God and he works every detail out according to the purpose of his will. There's, there's nothing that comes outside of God and God says, oh no, I didn't see that coming. Or oh no, I can't control that. That's beyond my control and I really wanted to adopt you into my family. But now at the last moment, something has arisen that I can't control outside of, of my my control, and so this doesn't go through. No, the one who has chosen to adopt us is the one who works all things. You know what that means in the Greek? It means all things according to the counsel of his will. 
Nothing is outside of God's sovereign hand. This is a side note on on that point here, just for a second. And I won't go down this rabbit trail for too long. But then let me just ask you this question. Does your God, the view of God that you have, is it a God who works all things according to the counsel of his will? Or do you have a weak God? Do you have a God that's like me? I make plans and I say I want to do this and then I want to do that and then nothing happens, right? Because either I don't have the time or I don't have the ability or I don't have the knowledge. There are limiting factors in me as a creature that keep me from doing the things that that I will to do. But this God that we serve is a God who works all things out. He's not limited by his knowledge. He doesn't lack knowledge about anything. He's not limited by his power. He's omnipotent. He has all power. There is nothing outside of his control. There is nothing that's going to swoop in at the last moment and, and foil his plans. He's chosen to adopt you as his children, and he works all things according to the counsel of his will. That's why in Romans 8, that this, this promise that we have is so unbreakable. Romans 8, 28, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. How can we know that? How can we know that all things work together for good of those who love God? The reason we know that is because it's our Heavenly Father who's working all things out, right? If it's just left up to chance, if it's just random, if there's if there's things outside of God's control, then God couldn't make that promise. I can't make that promise to my children. Hey, I'm going to work everything out for your good. That's my intention. That's what I'd love to do, but I can't do it. I'm powerless. I'm ineffectual at being able to do that. But this God that we serve works all things to the, according to his purpose. And so he can promise to us, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And how can we know that even further? Well, this is God's plan for those whom he foreknew. He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he glorified. This is God's plan for you. This is how you can know all things work together for good for those who love God. Because his ultimate plan is to glorify you. His ultimate plan is to give you a new body and to make sure that you receive this inheritance. And he's going to do it. There's no doubt about it. There's no weakness. There's no ineffectiveness in God. He will accomplish it. Well, that's God's side of it. How do we receive the adoption from our standpoint? Well, we believe the gospel. Again, there's two sides. There's there's the sovereignty of God. There's his working and what he does. And then there's the human side. There's, There's what we're called to do and our responsibility. So we see this in verse 13. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him. How are we saved? Well, God chose us to adopt us into his family and we become recipients of that inheritance. But on our side, what are we called to do? We believe. We heard the gospel and we believed. Someone was preaching. Someone shared the gospel with us. We were reading the Bible. We were maybe listening to a song that had the gospel contained in it. And we heard the gospel, the good news. You know what the gospel is, don't you? The gospel is the message of the fact that God sent his only begotten son to live the life that you should have lived. And he lived it perfectly. He lived it sinlessly. And then God allowed his son to be crucified on the cross in your place so that he could take the payment for your sin. 
That's the, the gospel. And then God raised him up three days later to show that, that this payment had been accepted and to give us the guarantee of eternal life. And now all who will believe in Christ, all who will turn away from their sin and put their faith in Jesus Christ, their sins will be forgiven and they'll be adopted into the family of God. That is how we receive this inheritance. The question I would ask you this morning is, that have you believed in Christ you think well have I been chosen have I been chosen to be one of God's children well that's not the question we ask Uh, the the question that you ought to ask yourself have I believed in Christ that's that's your responsibility we'll let God take care of God's plans and God's purposes that we don't know about they're they're secret they're hidden from us nobody knows what God's plan is ultimately Uh, but but what we're called to do is 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 to do the things that scripture tells us to do repent turn from our sins And believe the gospel. And so that's the question for you this morning. Have you believed the gospel? Have you turned to Christ? Have you put your faith in him? Are you trusting in him? If you've done that, then you've been given a share of this inheritance. Pray with me. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. And we thank you for the the beautiful truth of this inheritance that we have. We thank you, Lord, uh, for your grace and your kindness that you have given to us as joint heirs of Jesus Christ, that you've given to us eternal life and protection, that you've promised that we would inherit a new kingdom, a new earth. Lord, we long for that day. We long for the kingdom where righteousness is the norm. We long for that kingdom where where all of these uh, wicked and vile things will be banished where sin will be no more, where death will be no more. God, we pray uh, that we might receive that quickly. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you would come quickly. It's in Christ's name that we pray this. Amen.